So that's a little, that's a little disrespectful, bro. That was a joke, MV. For real. I don't joke when you talk about my wife. All right, uh, I apologize. Uh, then. You see what I'm saying? You can talk about me all day. You can make right. jokes to me, but when it comes about my wife and my family, it's a little disrespectful. MV would never do another joke and about you. You should know that. All right, anchor. So this is what I'm gonna do. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm murked. My voice is fucked up. That's why I didn't record yesterday. It sucks. But um, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna cop a couple pleas for my guys this morning, and um. Why do you say DJ NB and Bow Wow are my guys? Well, DJ NB, it's a reach for me to call him my guy. Me and my company that I work for hired him as a DJ for one of our events. And I flicked it up with him in a picture. We chopped it up for a little bit. If you notice, that is DJ MB in my bio picture on my Anchor account. And if you're wondering, why is DJ MB in your bio pic? Well, the truth is, I don't really have any professional industry pictures of me looking mature besides my picture with DJ MB. All of the rest of the ones are like me hammered with my fucking homeboys. So that's what I got. That's what, that's what I'm working with is me and DJ MB. All my other industry pictures, I don't even have facial hair and shit. So we got DJ MB up there. So by affiliation of him being in my biopic, biopic, biopic isn't the right word, in my picture, in my fucking bio, my avatar. I have to defend DJ Envy. I got a couple, cop a couple pleas for him here. And um, does he look salty? Does he look bitter? Does he look butt hurt when he's approaching Jesus and Mero on the Breakfast Club here? Absolutely, no doubt in my mind. And everyone is roasting DJ Envy. He is the he is the joke around town right now. Jesus and Mero are way funnier than him. They are way better at roasting than him. They are way. They're gonna they're gonna beat anybody at this game. This is their this is their fight to win. DJ Envy backed himself into a corner with this one, but I think that DJ Envy should get a pass. And let me punch back in here <clears throat> after I go on a fucking coughing spree and drink some water. I'm 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 trooping through this right now. This is the flu game for me right now. All right, so just for context and to make a a long story less long. Uh, a couple years ago, I want to say four or five years ago, DJ Envy cheated on his wife with Erica Mena. Erica Mena is pretty much an industry whore, a Jace. I don't want to, you know, well, I guess I just did it. I called her an industry whore. That's what she is. She fucked DJ Envy. DJ Envy told her that he wasn't married, yada, yada, goes on the radio, does the whole public apology. You think it's over with for a couple years. Swept under the rug. DJ Envy and his wife seem to be good. They have a podcast together. Everything's lovey-dovey. They're adorable. They they talk about their fucking fetishes and shit on their podcast. Things seem to be going great. And then all of a sudden, DJ Envy appears on the talk show, The Real, with, if you know The Real, it is like five women that are all like single and like butthurt over men and they're like extreme feminists. So DJ Envy goes on the reel with his wife. So it's one on six. Six females versus DJ Envy in a white blazer. Just setting the scene for you guys. And they are all gunning him on why he cheated. He's like going in about his multiple personalities, how he's DJ Envy on the road and how he's just himself at home, whatever his real name is. I already forget. Yada, yada. So Jesus and Mero who are cultural critics on their late night show, have to roast this, as their job is to roast this. 
So they go in on DJ Envy, they crack a couple jokes, maybe they went a little too far, but that's what they're supposed to do. And DJ Envy knows as a cultural critic himself that he set himself up for disaster. DJ Envy needs to know that. But instead, obviously, his wife pressed him. Obviously, um, she put the battery in his back and he goes up on his own show and bites Jesus and Mero to the show and basically G-checks them. <clears throat> Excuse me. And basically just is like, yo, you disrespected my wife. You said that she's only with me for the money. She was there before it. Yada, yada, yada. Shut the fuck up, DJ Envy. You're my guy, but you're bugging out. Now, I only have 30 seconds left in this segment, so I'm going to punch back in with my defense. It's a brief defense, but I have to do it. I have to do it because he's in the avatar in my bio. And I can't and I'm not going to change it on him, you know what I'm saying? Because I thought he was cool enough for me to throw him up there. So if I was if I was cool with him enough to make that gesture, I got to ride with him. I got I got I got to keep it a stack. I got I, you know what I mean? So let me punch back in. Obvious that you guys adore and love each other. But it hasn't always been like that. Very true. When was your relationship tested the most? Well, we went through a stage where Rashawn cheated on me. And a lot of people would say that... All right, so that was DJ Envy's wife going on national TV and shining more light on her husband cheating on the most public platform that they could possibly find themselves on. Now, why now? Why years later? Maybe she hasn't exactly found closure from the situation. Maybe she's paranoid that Envy is cheating again. We are not going to get into the psychology behind DJ Envy's crazy wife. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Envy. I know you're sensitive about jokes about your wife, but she seems a little fucking crazy here. Maybe those cornrows are just a little too tight on her head. I don't, I don't know what's going on with her, but... My defense of DJ Envy acting out against Jesus and Mero isn't if he was wilding or not. Because he was definitely wilding. He was definitely looking butthurt. That's without a question. I can't defend if he was looking butthurt or not because that is paramount. But I can defend the why. It's clear that he loves his wife. You know what I'm saying? He talks about even when he's cheating that um, he was treating her great. Yada, yada. The cheating was emotionless. Whatever. So since his wife is clearly pressing him since his wife is clearly making him go on these public platforms and basically go on a tour of embarrassing himself this is envy paying his dues this is envy like okay we need to finally get over this we need closure on this whole situation so he's just following his wife's orders for now he's being a little bit of a um he's, he's a little pussy whipped here but it's your wife, so it's straight. You know what I'm saying? Like, Envy is a grown-ass man. And that's kind of my whole point about the whole thing is he needed to check Jesus and Mero on a public platform because that's what his wife wanted him to do. His wife saw Jesus and Mero cracking jokes on them and their relationship on national TV. She said, okay, you have a platform. You need to go get them. Now, I'm sure DJ Envy was smart enough to be like, hey, this isn't going to work out for me. Those guys are funnier than me. Those guys are wittier than me. They're going to body me. But he said, you know what? I'm just going to go up there and I'm going to get bodied. And I think that DJ Envy should be applauded for that. Anchor, clap it up for DJ Envy for having the balls to know that he was going to get bodied, but did it anyway for the love of his life, man. Shout out to DJ Envy. That's how I'm going to keep it. I'm going to close this section out with that. 
I couldn't really muster up an angle to defend him for a while, but I had to defend him because everybody is roasting him. Nobody is taking DJ Envy's side. Everyone is getting him the fuck out of here. Everyone is getting the entire Breakfast Club out of here. The Breakfast Club is here to stay, man. Stop questioning DJ Envy. He'll be all right. He's been here for fucking 20 years. He's not going anywhere. Him and his wife are going to be all right. Um, and let's keep it pushing. Let's get into my defense of Bow Wow, which might even be harder than defending DJ Envy. But I'm here for it. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is, this is how I'm going to do it. And one last thing for Jesus and Mero. Jesus and Mero, y'all need to chill. I mean, I get it. I get that he tried to embarrass you guys and you guys just reciprocated the energy. You went up on his show and then later that night you guys went on your show and absolutely ethered him. You guys destroyed him. You guys embarrassed him on your own show. That's fine. That should have been a one-time thing though. Now it's a week later. You guys are still engaging with Erica Mena. You guys are still cracking DJ Envy jokes. It is still a topic on your show every day. So I think that you guys need to dead it. You guys don't need to keep um, rubbing it in, I guess, is the best word I could think of for it. Like, Drake doesn't need to put out another Meek Mill diss track. Like, it's over, fam. You guys won. Put it to rest. Stop creating more problems for DJ Envy and his wife. Be a little more mature about it. Um... I'm sure that they have the Viceland producers in their ear like, yo, this is getting more clicks. Yo, this is getting more views if we just keep talking about DJ Envy. But uh, you guys are just beating a dead horse at this point. The shit is over. It's a wrap. Uh, let me get into my Bow Wow defense. When the business done change, I skip the show just so I can see you, Chris. Day ones, me and you been through a lot of shit. No matter what, you gon' always be my little brother. And it kill me when we in public and we ain't speaking to each other. This shit crazy. Man, shit. On my fault, Brown. This shit crazy. Alright, Anchor, so just in case you haven't been following me closely, which most of you haven't, a couple weeks ago I went on an absolute tear. Go check it out, my Bow Wow rant is fucking legendary, one of my best episodes to this date. I went on a tear because Bow Wow dropped his comeback single titled Yeah, and the shit fucking slapped. The shit was a banger, excuse me, I gotta blow my nose. <laughs> now, I knew that although it was a banger, I knew that the temperature of the climate wasn't ready for such a big Bow Wow hit. I knew that the people weren't ready for it, so I was freaking out. I was like, you guys are gonna deny that this is a banger. You guys are gonna deny that Bow Wow is a legend, and this shit is gonna get swept under the rug. No matter what Bow Wow does, you guys aren't gonna fuck with this shit. That was my biggest problem. That was pretty much the summary of my rant. It was like seven minutes, though. I suggest you go check it out for my overall Bow Wow take. Now, Bow Wow is reminding everyone with his follow-up single, while we clown on him, and it is becoming harder and harder to defend Bow Wow. This next single is titled Drunk Off Ciroc, and although, let me defend the song, let me defend the song first, because for the first two minutes, Bow Wow's solid. He's holding it down, it's, it's 32 bars of a little introspection, a little trip into Bow Wow's mental, a little update on um, where he is at. Just where his headspace is. And I think it's refreshing to hear. I like the vocal filter on it. I like the beat. I like the sample. I like Bow Wow's approach to the pen. And I think he's rapping really well here. Up until about the two-minute mark. Or the two, 220 minute mark. Where I guess in his writing process, the title of the song is Drunk Off Ciroc. So I guess at this point, after 32 bars, he either started to get lazy and couldn't find any more angles. Or he just started to get hammered and way too emotional. And I'm going with the second one because I like Bow Wow as a rapper. So I'm going to go with the second one. And he starts going in about his bromance with Chris Brown and how he's skipping shows so they could see each other and shit. And the whole thing is really kind of pause worthy. It's just a little sus. 
I can't deny that it's sus. Bow Wow's my dog from 2001 to 2004. If it wasn't Eminem 50 Cent, it was Lil Bow Wow on my Walkman. All right? He's a fucking legend. But let me not act like this isn't weird. Because it's weird. And Chris Brown came out confused. Chris Brown's like, I thought we were chill. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what the fuck Bow Wow's talking about. So my defense, I guess, is he still needs a pass. <laughs> I need, oh, let me punch back in with my defense, man. I need to come up with an angle on this shit. I guess my defense is this song is still pretty hard for two minutes and 20 seconds out of three minutes and 12 seconds. He just fucks it up at the end. So, so far in his singles, he is pretty much, the first single is a slapper. One out of one. No. So, fucking A, Anchor, my boss had the audacity to call me up while I'm recording my podcast and tell me I have to go to work. Like, I don't know I have to go to work, man. Let me get my shit off. Let me talk to the people real quick, and then I promise you, I'll bang this shit out. Let me get my content in. But anyway, man, what I was saying was Bow Wow hits on one out of one on his first single. And on his second single, he kills it for the majority of the time. He kills it for at least four-fifths of the song. So he's shooting a good 85% of the field here, but people are only going to remember the fuck shit like they always do with Bow Wow. And of course, he's in the press because he just got punched in the face for talking about future and no one believes his story about that. Of course, he always does the fake IG stunts, which really get on my nerves. I wish Bow Wow didn't feel the need to keep up with his image and act like he's rich. It's like, it's okay, Bow Wow. You're a child celebrity that made it out without being a fucking heroin addict. That's an accomplishment in itself. But people aren't going to give Bow Wow credit for that. People are just going to clown him on the minor mistakes that he does. And, his, and they're going to look at him with a microscope and he's never going to get a pass. Although this has been a good comeback for him so far, he is fucking it up with a few bad news stories. And that's pretty much Bow Wow's career. In summary, I am still going to continue to bump Yeah. I probably won't bump this Drunk Off Ciroc song, to be totally honest with you. Because um, the whole emotional angle in the beginning kind of ruins, the end kind of ruins the whole thing, honestly. But if you want to hear my entire Bow Wow rant, I really suggest you go down a couple weeks and check out my Bow Wow rant. Because I really get in on a spiritual level and I was really on one that day. And I was in my bag about my Bow Wow take. So go check that shit out, man. And support Bow Wow. I don't really give a damn. Hey. I got these diamonds on my chain, tunnel vision on my brain, on this folk. All right, Anchor, so I got a hot take. I got a hot take that I've been trying to make for a while. I just haven't had the evidence behind it to really stand with my take confidently. But now Rich Homie Kwan has given me that evidence. And the take is that Rich Homie Kwan makes better music than Young Thug. And... You may ask, why am I comparing the two? Well, I'm comparing the two for obvious reasons. They both came up under the Rich Gang umbrella. They both come out of Atlanta. They both exist in the same sonic pocket where they're kind of on this spazzy, melodic, trap-influenced, sporadic, cadence, kind of unpredictable content type of music. They're real. There's so many parallels between the two. I'm not going to spend the time explaining why they're so similar. But when they first came out and they had that lifestyle record where they were on it together and most people couldn't understand the difference between the two, I was the one saying that Rich Homie Kwan, this was around 2014, this was a while ago, and I'm the one saying that Rich Homie Kwan's out of here. Rich Homie Kwan is Young Thug on steroids. Rich Homie Kwan is the audible 
version of Young Thug with tighter melodies, harder cadences, and um, really better lyrics conceptually. But he hasn't released an album since. This is his debut album in 2018, Riches in Spirit. And um, he's, he's proving his case, man. Everything I predicted was right. Um, this was the album that I expected him to make in 2015, 2016. Uh, I'm sure he's been sitting on a lot of these records, kind of waiting for his moment. And uh, I guess the time is now, man. Young Thug has been pretty quiet, so there is a demand for this sound. He is occupying that lane in Young Thug's absence. And I think that he does a really good job of it here. And this is a stronger album than any of the slime see any of the, all the... Um, Young Thug mixtapes that have filler tracks on it. This is better than all of those. This is more polished work. This sounds like an album. Now, I do have a few complaints about it, but overall, in the general theme of it, conceptually, it's titled Riches in Spirit, and I think that it was important for Rich Homie Kwan to probably go a little broke. The, in the irony of him being Rich Homie Kwan, I think that he probably lost a little money. All the flexing on the gram wasn't aligning. People were clocking his pockets. And in his climate and his type of competitive nature, being rich and flexing is so important. Or at least it was. But now it seems that Rich Homie Kwan has come to this epiphany. He's like, hey, I'm rich in spirit, you know, which is kind of, it's deep for Rich Homie Kwan. It's not that deep. But um, for him, for his type of music to kind of take that stance and choose that angle to like be like, hey, it's really not all about the money and uh, him trying to just going in about being a man. I think that that is really important for um, the conception, the, um, the concept of this album. And I really and I really like the angle on it. But uh, my complaint is that it's probably too long. It's 19 tracks, runs for 58 minutes, and there's only one feature. So this is just Rich Homie Kwan going in for an hour, which part of me wants to applaud it. It's like, good for you. Nobody really does that anymore. But the other side of me is like, Rich Homie Kwan really isn't versatile enough to, um, to take you through an hour sonic journey just with his voice and, and his beat selection isn't he's not going to take you through enough now he although he does hold the common thread i think that he could have been more concise here maybe if he trimmed it down to 12 or 13 songs not that there's really skips not that there's any bad records on here but there's just songs that serve the same purpose that you got to just pick the better version of the song that serves the same purpose that's just me and the way i think of putting together a track list but other than that man this thing overall fucking slaps the song i played in the intro there the snippet was called understood it is track 15 probably the bigger takeaway probably if there's a song that i'm gonna pick that's gonna take off it'll be that one but uh, I think that this album's really top heavy. It starts uh, track one through four are all extremely solid, reflecting "Fuck with Me," the Herschel Walker record. The whole thing is pretty much complete. But um, my complaint on it is probably just trim a little fat off it. Rich Homie Kwan. My um, end take is that Rich Homie Kwan makes better than better music than Young Thug. Young Thug is due for a new album. Let's see if he could top Bridges and Spirit. If you want to argue with me that you think Young Thug is better, make your case. <laughs> Uh, call into my station, let me know why I'm wrong. Because um, Riches in Spirit is making my case pretty easy at this point. All 
All right, so that was track three titled Moonlight off of this new XXX Tentacion album titled Question Mark. Yes, the album is titled Question Mark. Uh, and XXX Tentacion pretty much is an entire question mark as a person. So I guess that's kind of fitting. Uh, before I get into this review, I just want to preface it with I don't co-sign Tentacion as a person whatsoever. Uh, not only does he have the cases against him of <clears throat> abusing his girlfriend and all, all the piece of shit things that he has in the light against him legally, I definitely don't want to get into that and I definitely don't want to co-sign that. Um, <clears throat> I also don't want to co-sign his inconsistency on social media and the inconsistency in his behavior. One day he's fucking brawling and getting in fights. The next day he's like this philanthropic um, charity worker. Like I don't understand who he is. I get that he's bipolar. I get that he's mentally ill. Uh, that doesn't mean I necessarily have to fuck with him for it. But I guess that type of inconsistency in his behavior and that type of contradiction is actually what makes him such a versatile artist. And that is on full display on this new album where he has absolutely no idea who he is and he is an emotional wreck. But it is pretty entertaining to listen to. And um, he pretty much swaps through a million different genres here. One second, he's a... Uh, mumble rapper next second he's a boom bap rapper next second he's a punk rocker next second he's a emo singer then he's um singing in spanish and he's like he's he's a million different people on this album this guy is bipolar and has absolute has a probably a million different personalities and has no idea who he really is and he can't keep a common theme on an album because he probably just switches every 20 minutes while he's in the studio and that's why each song is no longer than two and a half minutes most of these songs are under two minutes so i think that that's probably my biggest knock on it uh, knock on him is that he can't complete a thought like he can't finish these songs everything seems kind of dried out and just like stale by the end he doesn't really know where he's headed but that doesn't mean that some of the shit isn't really good that song that I played in the intro, he found a perfect balance in his emo and mumble rap voice and really just put together a tight melody and a really catchy approach to that interesting kind of um, trippy beat. And then the single Sad, of course, that song is hitting. <clears throat> he really nails the whole like numb emo emotion. And for some reason, I'm kind of into that. I don't know. There might be something wrong with me there. But uh, other records where he's way too emotional and way too, like, suicidal and screamo, I'm good on those. You could keep those. I'll let someone else review that. I have no idea if that is good or not. I really could not tell you. As soon as I hear him start screaming like that, I just skip the shit. You're fucking bugging out, bro. But, um, yeah, other takeaways are this Infinity record with Joey Badass. I think that... As he, I think that his his strong point is as a rapper, which he doesn't rapidly rap much. And when he does, he kind of bodies it, and not he does lyrically. His lyrics are pretty surface; they're kind of basic. But he's a kid, and I judge him as a kid, and I judge him as a new rapper compared to his contemporaries. I think the XXX Tentacion can actually rap his ass off. Now, does he rap well with Joey Badass? Of course, Joey Badass bodies him on this thing, but this is a Joey Badass type of record. He tapped him for his type of record and hung around with him. So I applaud that. Um, overall, I think that this album is top-heavy. Uh, it, it started to really get boring towards the end with the schizophrenia songs and the a song titled I Don't Even Speak Spanish, LOL. And then he features a bunch of random Spanish people. Like, what are you what are you really doing with that? Um yeah, I only have a minute left on this review. 
I don't know, man. This thing is a question mark. I guess that I guess that's my review. I'm not going to give it a one out of ten. I'm going to give it a question mark. I have no idea who this kid is. This kid is an emotional fucking wreck. And uh, he's probably going to go to jail soon anyway, so you're not going to hear much from him. Uh, as far as replay value songs, I like Moonlight. I like Sad. I like Numb. I like Infinity with Joey Badass. And that's pretty much the takeaway. Shout out Matt Ox for getting a feature on here. That's my little guy, too. Uh, yeah. PMB Rock kind of held it down on that song, but we're not we're not giving that any burn. That song doesn't even make sense. Incredible performance. Shock it all in college basketball. UMBC makes history in Charlotte. So shit, I mean, this has to be one of the crazier March Madness weekends in the history of the tournament uh in recent memory the only one that i could think of that maybe might be crazier was the george mason run to the final four but there's still time for this tournament to get crazier i mean we still have the sweet 16 to go and you still have teams like loyola chicago in the sweet 16 that can make a run so let's see how it goes down before we rank it on the scale of craziest tournaments but, I mean, I say it every year that it's crazy. This year is definitely special. I mean, off strength of a 16 beating a 1 for the first time, it has to be a candidate for one of the craziest years. Um, as far as my Sweet 16 predictions, obviously I have my Mountaineers advancing to the Elite Eight <clears throat> over Villanova. Um, shout out to Bob Huggins and the Mountaineers and Javon Carter for making the Sweet 16 for three out of the last four years. That's some pretty impressive shit coming out of the Big 12. I'm proud of the squad for that. Of course, I have us beating Villanova in that round. Um, And then I have us playing, shout out, um, Texas Tech. I have a Big 12 matchup in the Elite Eight. I think that Texas Tech is going to handle Purdue. I think that their athleticism might be a little bit too much to handle. I know Purdue has a really solid offense, but I like the three over the two in that game. Um, I'm going to take Clemson over Kansas. I'm not going to go with the Big 12 matchup there. I think that Kansas has been shaky in their wins up to this point, and Clemson has been absolutely dominant in their wins up to this point. And I think that Clemson has more momentum going in. And uh, I fucking hate Duke, man. I was really kind of hoping that Michigan State would beat Syracuse just so that Duke wouldn't make it to the Elite Eight. But I got to pick Duke taking care of Syracuse uh, with their shooters and their size. They're probably going to pick apart that 2-3 zone. Uh, Texas A&M is playing really good. I think the Texas A&M is a lot better than a seven seed. I kind of knew that when they smacked. They're the only team to really smack WU this year in the regular season. i I put a lot of stock into that. I like them over Michigan going to the Elite Eight there. Um, Florida State, Gonzaga. I think that um, Florida State coming off the test of beating Xavier, that's so much momentum coming into that game, and it's kind of an even matchup. And Gonzaga kind of had a, I don't want to call it a breeze of a victory against Ohio State, but that's not... A big it's I'm I'm about who who got tested the most and who has the momentum going in. So I'm gonna go with Florida State over Gonzaga there. And <clears throat> this matchup is crazy. The fact that Loyola Chicago and Nevada are playing each other in the Sweet Sixteen uh just says a lot about how fucked my bracket was. Uh I like the athletes, I like the twins on Nevada. I think that they have a lot of firepower uh on that squad. I'm gonna go Nevada over Loyola Chicago, but I mean fuck, I've been so wrong lately that who even knows? Uh Kentucky over Kansas State 
in the uh, in the final Sweet 16 game. Uh, Kentucky just has those NBA players, man. I'm going to go with the talent over anything most of the time. But what the fuck do I know, man? I picked Virginia to go the whole way, and they lost in the first round. So just to let you know where I'm at. Uh, other than that, my gambling predictions for tonight. Last night, I took uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers minus two against the Milwaukee Bucks. That was easy money with Kevin Love coming back. I knew that they were going to have a lot of momentum and a lot of energy coming into that game. Uh, the Vegas lines makers thought that um, Milwaukee really needed the win and they were hot coming in. But I think that the Cavaliers had more of a point to prove uh, with that game. Uh, my pick for tonight, though. I like the Houston Rockets minus five against the Trailblazers. I think that, again, the lines makers are swaying the line because the Trailblazers are hot, kind of forgetting how fucking good the Rockets are. I think that the Rockets are going to handle that game. I got them winning somewhere around the 10-point margin. I know it's in Portland. I know Damian Lillard can't miss right now. Uh, let's Let's see how Chris Paul and James Harden can handle them. Uh, yeah, so that's fucking sports, man.